Hello and welcome to the Rejoicing Together podcast, a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church, where we share stories of God's transforming power as seen in the lives of our church members. Alrighty, well, hello and welcome to the Rejoicing Together podcast. My name is Nate Trewick, and today I'm joined by Pastor Lee Hill. Lee, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. So Lee, uh, as I'm sure many of you know, uh, is our uh, new worship pastor here at the church. Is that your official title, worship pastor? Worship and senior adults pastor. That's right. I always forget the senior adults part. So uh, Lee um, comes from Moultrie, Georgia, um, recently, but originally from Commerce. Right. And, um, so um, just uh, wanted to have Lee on today and just let him kind of share about his ministry. Uh, maybe let some of you guys get to know him a little bit. Um, so Lee, maybe just start, uh, just share your testimony. How did you come to know the Lord? Well, um, you know, we grew up in commerce. Um, so not really growing up in church so much, but, um, about the time I was 10 years old, uh, my mother decided it was time for us to get back in church. So we visited a couple churches around town and wound up visiting Brockton Road Baptist Church outside of Jefferson. And uh, that was on a Sunday morning. The next Monday night, a pastor shows up at our house on visitation, and uh, he sensed that God was dealing with me. And uh, we went back to my bedroom, and I prayed to receive Christ right then. And that was a, a life-changing uh, moment for me. Um, and we became very regular attending Brockton Road. and. Uh, my mother started playing the piano at the church, and the pastor's daughter had been the organist there, and she got married, moved away, and left kind of a hole there, so I said, I'll give it a try, and began playing in church when I was about 12, and that began my music career in church. It's a big instrument for a 12-year-old. It was. <laughs> I remember uh, we had a organ growing up in the church that I was a part of, and uh I remember like having to reach the pedals, like having to like slide off yeah. the chair. <laughs> I'm not saying I knew what I was doing, but we, we gave it a try. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So uh, started in church music at 12, obviously probably through high school uh, involved with that. Yeah, band, um, mostly in high school. Cool. Got a lot of training there. What was your instrument in high school? Trumpet. Trumpet. Very cool. So played uh, trumpet in the Tiger Marching Band at Commerce High School and did one one season as drum major. Cool. Very cool. So how many times you played Tiger Rag, you think? <laughs> More times than A you care to admit. A lot. <laughs> so at what point, you know, growing up in church, I know a lot of kids, um, especially the kids who get more and more involved, you know, always kind of seem to think. Um, at some point, a lot of kids who are really involved have the question like, man, it's just like, is God calling me to do this? Um, at what point did you start to think about maybe ministry was what God was calling you to? Um, I was at a, a youth camp, um, probably around 12, 13 years old, mm. and really did sense God calling me into ministry. At that point, I had no idea you could do anything but be a, a pastor. So I took that as a call to preach and uh, announced that to my church. And immediately, the pastor's like, well, you're going to preach Sunday night. So I preached a five-minute message, blasted everything that I could think of, and uh, I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I just did not. But I knew God had called me to ministry. I hmm. uh, just didn't know where that was going to lead later on. 
So um, went through high school, graduated, went to Mercer, and was going to major in church music at Mercer. And just the financial um, impact of Mercer was too much on my family. So I spent one quarter there and then went, came back home and graduated from Gainesville College and then eventually University of Georgia. But um, just kind of gave up on the music ministry, um, the music major thing, but was always involved in music ministry. When I came home, uh, I played at my home church, Mount Olive, for a while. And then our minister of music there resigned while I was uh, playing. And the pastor came to me, and he was like, hey, you think you could maybe help out with some of the leading choir practice, that kind of thing? I'm thinking, yeah, I could probably do some of that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a try. So at 19 years old, I became the bivocational minister of music at Mount Olive Baptist Church. <laughs> and um, I did that bivocationally up until I felt God saying, no, I want you full-time. Mm-hmm. I want you not to do what you're calling yourself to do, but what I'm calling you to do. So in 2009, I left a career in banking and uh, went full-time into ministry, stepped out on faith, and God has been so faithful mm-hmm. every, every step of the way. Cool. So when you left Mount Olive, you went to Level Grove? Is that no, you? no. Um, I left Mount Olive, went to Hull Baptist Church down mm-hmm. in Madison County, Spent nine months there, and during that nine months, I transitioned from a bank job in commerce to Cornelia, and Level Grove was right across the street from the <laughs> bank. That opened up. Uh, uh, I followed the same guy that I followed at Mount Olive at Level Grove, so uh, it was it was a neat little transition there. <laughs> but that, that was a great ministry, and without that, probably would not have gone into full-time ministry. Very cool. So when God was kind of leading and working in your life and that call, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, thinking about, uh, careers and, and stuff like that. I mean, young guy, twenties at this point, right. Um, yeah. um, you know, starting your family, you know, have a wife. How difficult was it for you to get to the point of surrender and realizing, you know, I really do need to fully commit to this. I don't need to be half committed. I don't need to just kind of commit. I don't need to just be involved. But this this is what God's calling me to do with my life. How, how hard was it for you to get to that point? Getting to it um, with my heart was not so hard. Mm-hmm. I was ready. Um, I had realized banking was not where I was called to be. I did not enjoy it. But with my head, it was a different story because you got you got financial responsibilities. Mm. You've got you know things you got to do, and you think, man, I'm going to take a pay cut to go into ministry, and mm. so how is this going to work out? And that's when I said, God's been faithful all the way. He just he made a way where there was no way. Mm. So cool. If he's telling you to do something, do it. <laughs> So when you leave Hull, you go to Level Grove, mm-hmm. Cornelia. Um, so when you were at Level Grove, was that full-time from the beginning? No, it was bivocational from the beginning. Okay. That was a time when Level Grove was going through uh, some growth. Mm-hmm. And um, 
they sensed a need to have another full-time staff member. So I wasn't just minister of music. I was minister of education and minister of music mm-hmm. combined, which is a hard role to pull off because um, one or the other gets more of your time. So obviously music got more of my time and education was kind of a secondary role. Yeah. So how long, you know, how long were you at Level Grove? I was there for nine and a half years, I think. Might have been 11 years. 11 years? <laughs> Either nine and a half or 11. <laughs> it was one or the other. So um, in Cornelia, do a ministry there. Um, what? And you mentioned kind of the difficulty in balancing education and music. Yeah. Um, what were maybe some of the lessons that God taught you during that time? Um, the importance of time management. The importance of personal worship time. What I do on Sunday morning can't happen unless I spend time in personal worship throughout the week. Um, that was a time when I had no clue what being a minister of education meant because hmm. I had no experience with that. So I had to do a lot of learning, um, you know, conferences listening to the guys who were doing that at the time. Mm-hmm. Alan Taylor was a guy that I, I looked at a lot because he had such success at First Baptist Woodstock and attended everything that he did or everything he wrote I would mm-hmm. consume to try to learn how to do what he did. Mm-hmm. Cool. So when you were there, you mentioned the growth that the church went through. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just walk through that. Like, What did that, what did that look like? Um Level Grove benefited from being a strong, conservative Southern Baptist church in a community where one of the main churches decided to go more liberal. So a lot of those people came into Level Grove at that time and really boosted the numbers. And uh, also having uh, an evangelistic uh, focus. Saw quite a few baptisms during those years, hmm. and uh, I mean the church has even grown yeah. a lot since then. Yeah, I mean I just you drive through Cornelia, yeah. you can't help but notice the growth right there at Level Grove. Um, so that's really cool. Um, you got to be a part of that. Um, so obviously, you know, God at some point took you to Moultrie. Um, it's a big move, you know. It was growing up in North Georgia your whole life. Um, I'm sure even the move from Commerce to Cornelia was a big move in, in some ways. Yeah, but not as bad as not as much as going to South Georgia. Yeah. So, so how did what what kind of was the process that led you to, to Moultrie? Um, at the time, I felt God leading me to make a move somewhere. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that looked like. Had no desire in the world to go to South Georgia. <laughs> Does um, anybody have a desire to go to South Georgia? <laughs> I didn't. But uh, John Duncan, who was our worship and music catalyst at the time for the state, uh, came to me, and he was doing an interim at First Baptist Moultrie. And he's like, I've got this church down there I think you would be a great fit for. And I'm like, John, I don't want to go to South Georgia. So he's like, just take a look at it. So I did. And Myra and I actually both started looking at it. And it was just like, that was where we needed to be. We both knew it. Um, it wasn't an easy process to get down there. We, you know, couldn't, it was a time, 2014, 
couldn't give a house away. So, I mean, we had difficulties in that way. But God took us there, and he put me in a situation that was different from what I was at at Level Grove. Mm. Different kind of music, different kind of people. But it was exactly what we needed. It was um, eight and a half wonderful years of ministry there Mm. that only Maysville would have pulled me away from. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, just in the conversations that we've had, like, um, you know, obviously Moultrie uh, was a really, really fruitful time of ministry for you. I really love the people there, really love the church. Um, What were some of the things about Moultrie that just really stood out to you? Uh, The people. The people are the friendliest, most loving people you'll find anywhere. Um, They're generous. Um, The talent they had there was phenomenal. Uh, Choral program in Colquitt County is second to none, and it fed the church choirs around there. So it was a strong choral, very strong traditional church. Uh, But they were open to change. Uh, I took them from... What I, I consider we were about 1985 in music, and we came up into uh, you know modern times, but we still blended the music, yeah. and and nobody complained. Yeah. It was nice. So I want to talk about that for a little bit because you know uh, we we've talked about it a little bit, but you know there's this. Uh, you, you mentioned it, I think, last week. The, the worship wars, right? You yeah. Know, the the contemporary versus traditional, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Um, and one thing that I've, I've noticed here um, throughout all of um, the guys who've been worship pastor, minister, music, whatever you want to call it, here, um, you know, they've all said uh, I do blended worship. Um, obviously, that's the style that you know Pastor Shane wants us to have, and and all that. Um, What's the benefit of that to you? Why why is it so important for you to sing hymns, but also to sing new stuff? First off, you know we're instructed in Scripture: sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, hymns are where we get our doctrine from. They teach doctrine, and it's obvious they have stood the test of time. And we're still singing stuff that was written three hundred years ago on a regular basis it's as relevant today as it was back then um but there's also good new stuff being written there's a theological depth to some of this new stuff that um, we might have missed in the past century in some some of the writings of hymns or more gospel-centered hymns um not gospel-centered, but they would be classified as gospel hymns. Mm. You know, when we used to have a Sunday morning and a Sunday night worship service, you would do more traditional hymns on a Sunday morning setting, and then Sunday night would be reserved for some of those gospel hymns, the old uh, Victory in Jesus, the yep. uh, When We All Get to Heaven, stuff like that, that everybody loves to sing. Um, but we neglect some of those hymns that are found in the front of the hymn book a lot of the times that are very important to our worship. So the style, to me, I don't like to plan a worship based on style, but I do like to give people a a difference. Um, I don't want to have one – I don't want to just have go in there and sing a lot of boom chick songs, <laughs> you know, where it's just uh, – 
you come out of the gate running and it's hand clapping, hand clapping, <laughs> you know, that you just don't want a steady diet of that all the way through. You, you give it some variety. It's just like having a meal. When you sit down to a meal, you want a meat or a protein or something and you want, uh, you know, some good starchy potato mm-hmm. and then you got to have something that's good for you some greens or something over you don't here. have to but you probably need to <laughs> so you, you just got to have that balanced yeah. diet when you eat mm. and that's the way i like to plan worship it's mm. got to be balanced mm. we use the term blended but i don't like that term mm. if you took that diet that meal and you threw it in a blender it gets to become a mush that nobody likes yeah but if you present it as a balanced meal you know it can Mm. be very palatable that's good that's good so with that philosophy um you know obviously been in several different churches over your ministry um how have you seen that style or that philosophy uh benefit the church as opposed to people who go in and say we're going to do just hymns or right. who come in and say, we're just going to do Top 40 Christian Radio? Well, I know what my style is. Mm-hmm. And, and my style is very hymn-based. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the foundation of what we do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some services are going to be more traditional. Some services are going to be leaning more contemporary. I, I don't want to be locked into a box. Mm-hmm. My, my first thing I do is try to get the Scripture that the pastor's preaching on for that that service. Mm. And then I look at that scripture, and then I try to plan worship based on a Isaiah 6 model. And we all know when Isaiah, um, that Isaiah 6 model begins with adoration, where he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, holy, holy, holy. So try to do something where the service starts with adoration. If I can work it so that the this opening hymn has um, a little bit more pep to it, a little bit more life, power, I like that. And sometimes it may start off very um, softly. Um, but if I start softly, then I like to build into something that's bigger, full of more life. If I start peppy, I like to bring it down. Um, just to add that little bit of variety in there. Mm. And then when you move from that adoration to confession, when Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am undone. But then God provided that coal from the altar for the cleansing. So you've got that element of confession, and then it moves to grace right there with the coal from the altar. And then he moves into a time of thanksgiving and then sending in that passage. So that's kind of the idea that I try to plan worship in. Cool. So how have you seen that benefit the churches that you've been in, given the different cultures? Because, um, you know, we, we've talked about it a little bit. The culture at Maysville is different than the culture at Moultrie. Yeah. The culture at Moultrie is different than the culture at Level Grove. Yeah. Level Grove is different than Hole. Hole is different from Mount Olive. So right. how has that philosophy, how do you think that that has been fruitful, beneficial to the churches you've been in? If I had gone into Moultrie and took a contemporary setting, it would have derailed the whole program. Mm. I mean, that was a a robed choir church with a very benef- um, very beloved pipe organ, 
But we added some things in there. We added drums in there. We added, and we did it slowly. We started out with a cajon, and then we moved to a, a electronic drum set so that the sound wasn't too much for the room. Mm-hmm. Um, we added some strings and a, a guitar and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So when you when you introduce contemporary music but still give it some traditional instrumentation, mm-hmm. people don't uh, push back quite as bad feels familiar yes yes um now now coming here from moultrie i've got a whole lot more freedom um because the instrumentation was already here um but still everything's got to be christ-centered and um we've got to put everything through a three theological grid each song has got to stand on its own merit cool so at some point obviously you know god started working on you um, to bring you from Moultrie to here. Yep. Um, maybe just kind of walk through that. What did that look like? How did God bring you to Maysville? It started with a phone call. <laughs> um, from God? No, from my <laughs> member here. Um, <laughs> but that the opportunity was here. Hmm. And I can't say that I hadn't already started feeling a little restlessness that was – not explained because it was like I said it was a great environment there I had everything I needed everything was in place it was running so smoothly but um, you know our parents were here there was always the the uh, struggle with getting back to see people and you know be back home when needed Um, we missed out on a lot of family gatherings because of the distance and I always had to be back on Sunday so you miss out on a lot. So there was that that pull. Um, and then, you know, when I had the, the opportunity to talk with Pastor Shane, um, we just clicked. And, I mean, you can't help but love the guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought this would be somewhere I, I might, might want to be. Yeah. So... Uh, we had talked, and the opportunity came up to do the revival here so I could kind of experience what the church was like and came up and reconnected with a lot of people I've known for years. and Just great choir, enthusiastic church, and I uh, loved it. Hmm. And then I told God, I said, if you want me to go, I need everything to fall into place. I don't need to go back through a difficult um, transition like we had going to Moultrie. And he orchestrated everything perfectly, quickly, and uh, I just could not, could not, not see his hand in everything. Hmm. That's cool. I know, you know, when you're going through transition, it's cool to see God's hand working in the details. A lot of people maybe don't see that. Yeah. Um, what are some maybe examples? If you don't mind sharing, you know, just an example of how, because um, I I know a lot of people hear pastors say, "Man, I just see God's hand in this." And I, I know, like, sometimes I'm like, what do they mean? Like, what, I wonder what they've seen that, like, I don't see. Um, but what, maybe what's an example of that? Um, I would say one big thing for us, since we had difficulty selling a house to go to Moultrie, mm. was getting a house sold to come back up here. So we didn't have that hanging over us. Three days on the market, it was under contract. Mm. Um, that was That was a blessing from God. Yeah. To be able to find a rental house in this market yeah. was a blessing from God. Um, my, and I would say my family being on board was another thing. 
and you know Myra being able to find the perfect job that she wanted mm-hmm. which for the position she has is not usual mm, yep. so God opened all those doors and just was almost like pushing us through it so yeah. you, you can't say no to God yeah absolutely and that was that's kind of leads to the last question I had is just thinking about um how in the world as a man who's got to provide for his family, you know, in a situation like you've described at Moultrie where ministry was fruitful, your family was happy, you were happy, the church was happy with you being there. Um, how do you turn away from that? How, how do you get to a point where you say, you know what, I'm going to put my trust in God so much so that I'm willing to turn away from this and possibly face difficulties, possibly, you know, hit a few bumps along the road. Um, but in order to be faithful, I need to make this decision. How do you get to that point? A lot of prayer, <laughs> uh, a lot of time in the word, um, some three, 3 a.m. mornings when you get out of bed and you go to your, your study and you sit there with open Bible, devotional books all around, and you're saying, God, speak. Show me what you want me to do. And I I did that a lot. I've got journals where I I journal things that God would show me early in the morning. And um, I just had an overwhelming peace about it. Uh, It doesn't make sense to give up where everything's smooth. But, you know, there's so many times throughout Scripture where God calls. He called Abraham to leave and go. Um, and and that was probably the one of the, that stuck out in my head the most. It was time to leave where I was very comfortable mm-hmm. and return home to be with family, um, and hopefully help Maysville. Yeah. Well, I know um, a lot of excitement, obviously, at the church about um, you being here and just the. Um, direction that uh, you're bringing is uh, I know really greatly appreciated and um, I know that a lot of people uh, are excited just to get to know you and I hope that uh, maybe those listening know you a little bit better now um, but uh, Lee really appreciate you coming on uh, thank you send some time today for that uh, if you're here uh, or if you're listening today I uh, just want to thank you guys for listening again um, and uh, as we've been doing want to finish off uh, today's episode just a little encouragement there from the end just a quick reminder Um, If God is calling you to do something uncomfortable, no matter how comfortable you are today, uh, be faithful to follow what God has for your life. Um, And uh, hopefully you'll get to see the fruit um, in this life, but certainly uh, you'll get to see in the next. So uh, again, Lee, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you back next week. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. The Rejoicing Together podcast is a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church. We hope and pray that this episode has encouraged and will challenge you to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you would like more information about the church, our other ministries, or information about how to support those ministries, please visit maysvillebaptist.net. If you have a question about the podcast or would like to speak with a pastor, please contact the church. Again, Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a blessed day.